Friday, March 12th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the Indians have uh, made some moves. Uh, it anticipated around this time of camp is when they start cutting the rosters down a little bit, uh, moving some guys around to different camps and reassigning guys. Uh, but the, the, the big, the, I guess the main item, the lead item there, uh, the headline is Mike Freeman, uh, who's been the utility infielder for the last two seasons for, for Terry Francona, did a lot of things that Tito liked. Uh, Freeman actually has been uh, dealt to the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for cash where there's a, a better opportunity for him. Yeah, you don't have to move very far, Joe. You can just uh, pull out of one parking lot, drive about like ten, uh, five minutes down the road and pull into the Reds parking lot because they're both in Goodyear. Yeah, that was an interesting move. I think, um, you know, Freeman, I thought he did a great job the last two years in a really difficult position. Uh, you know, a guy that plays all over that he's one of those rare guys that can sit and still be productive, you know, can play once a week, twice a week and, you know, still uh, be productive in the field and at the plate. So I thought he was a valuable guy, but obviously uh, the Indians have some, you know, some people that are, are pushing him. And I think that they like better that they feel that fit into their roster composition a little better. And, and really that's, that's the thing that hurt Mike Freeman the most was the fact that he's a left-handed bat and the Indians don't really have a spot for a left-handed bat as their utility infielder. Uh, the way that this roster is, is shaping up, uh, like Terry Francona said, you could, it doesn't make sense to, you know, sit your left-handed hitting first baseman, either whether it's either uh, Jake Bowers or Bobby Bradley against a left-handed starting pitcher. If you're only going to put Mike Freeman over there at first, or, you know, he plays any of the other positions on the infield, but, uh, and, and that's sort of, it's telling, does this Mike Freeman trade set up a domino effect in camp right now? Because you saw Yu Chang actually uh, go over and play first base at the in the B game the other day, and we didn't get any negative reports about his performance at first base. If Yu Chang can, you know, be the emergency first baseman as a as a right-handed bat, that bodes well for him uh, as as maybe a, an option there at, as the utility guy. Uh, and Ahmed Rosario now moving out to the outfield. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Joe. You know, you've got two right-handed hitters in Rosario and Chang. You know, you've got a really a kind of a team that's pretty much dominated by left-handed hitters or switch hitters. Uh, so those guys fit in there well. Uh, the question is, can both those guys make it on a 26-man roster? That That's going to be an interesting fit, if especially if uh, Terry Francona still wants to carry nine guys in the bullpen. Well, and, and also it, it – Maybe it says something about where the Indians think Oscar Mercado is right now, because the domino, uh, you know, moves Ahmed Rosario out to center field. He's going to start uh, possibly in a game as early as next week uh, in, in, you know, at some point in center field. Yeah, he and, said he's starting what? He's starting Sunday in the B game against the Reds. Rosario's is starting in center field, right? I think. Right. And, and just yesterday he told us he's not going to push Rosario until he feels comfortable. Well, Ahmed Rosario must feel pretty comfortable uh, getting out there. Uh, and so really it, it might come down to a, a question or a decision between Rosario's bat and Mercado's. And right now Rosario looks like he's got the advantage. Yeah, I would think so, Joe. And, and 
you know, I don't know if they're going to, is Rosario going to be the everyday center fielder? I, I, I don't I, think so. You know, I can't I, imagine I, that being the case. Yeah, but you, I would hope not. You, know, you, would, you would maybe play Zimmer there more often than uh, you were first anticipating. Yeah, you could play Zimmer there, or maybe you, you Rosario is your kind of you, super utility guy, moves all over, and uh, and you keep Mercado in center field. I, I don't know. I, that's going to be a really a, an interesting uh or an interesting Dan- uh, look at right how this you know how these next uh, three weeks unfold. Or maybe Daniel Johnson. You put Daniel. Yeah. Jo- Dan- maybe Daniel Johnson trumps both Zimmer and Mercado, and maybe Daniel Johnson's the guy that you, you put in there more often. And then uh, you could maybe platoon Rosario and him somewhere somehow. Huh? At some point, yeah. So a lot of questions. Yeah, the the Mike Freeman move, the Mike Freeman trade, uh, sets up all of these different possibilities uh, it's tough to predict right now and certainly over the next week to two weeks of, of games we'll we'll get more clarity on it uh the other moves that the indians made uh on the roster to actually this morning they they reassigned uh they optioned i'm sorry nolan jones john carlos mejia eli morgan scott moss and carlos vargas to triple a uh, they reassigned Kyle Dowdy and Billy Hamilton to the minor league death camp. So the veteran Billy Hamilton, who was told he wasn't going to make the team, uh, is sticking around in camp until he finds another opportunity. He's going to continue to get his work in. Uh, and they um, finalized one-year contracts with 31 out of their 32 pre-arbitration eligible players. Uh, that list does not include Shane Bieber. He was the one who uh, had his contract renewed, which which is a little different than uh, reaching, you know, final contracts with, with pre-arb guys. Yeah. When you get your contract renewed, that means, uh, you were unable to uh, reach a deal, uh, on, on a one-year deal with, with the club. So they renew you at their, at their, you know, at their price. Um, it's going to be, you know, I don't know. We haven't found out what, what they renewed, uh, um, Bieber at. I would imagine I would imagine that the uh, unanimous Cy Young winner probably got a little bit of a raise, but not the not the raise he was going for in that sort of negotiation. Yeah, you know the major league minimum is what uh, five thousand. I mean 500, five, 000. yeah five hundred thousand. I mean it's five seven zero five hundred something like that. You know it's it's so you know I would think it would be a little bit. I mean, you know it would be between six and seven hundred. Grand, uh, that that's what probably Bieber got got assigned. You know, I think, got, got I think the record the record for a situation like that was Chris Bryant after he won the the MVP, but he wasn't arbitration eligible, and he got a bump up to like a million a million five or something uh, like that. I, I think Bieber probably check in a, a little bit below that. Yeah, we'll see. And usually, you know, I've seen that a couple different work at covered a couple different ways, Joe. When uh, they did it to uh, um, they did it to Corey Kluber. He had his well, I don't think he had it renewed, but they you know they reached a deal on on Kluber the the year uh, you know the year after he won his first Cy Young, and it was for about six hundred a little over six hundred grand, mm-hmm. and then that that was a prelude to him signing a multi year deal. So right. we'll have to see if if that is in the works with uh, Bieber and the Indians. Right. Yeah. The, the bottom line is it's a bad look for the organization, even in, you know, financially troubled times. It's a bad look for the organization if your uh, unanimous Cy Young winner from the year before is is making a major league minimum contract. So you, you at least want to extend some sort of uh, goodwill there. And 
it doesn't preempt them from continuing through camp to work on the possibility of some sort of long-term extension. And, and as we've said before on this podcast, the Indians don't have any money on the books next year. Everybody's every contract is, is up in terms of, uh, you know, if they don't renew uh, contract options for uh, Jose Ramirez and uh, uh, Roberto Perez. So yeah, there's plenty of financial flexibility or wiggle room to, to get a big deal with Beaver, with Beaver done. Uh, speaking of Shane Beaver, uh, I, I think the, well, I don't want to phrase it in, in, in a way that will see if I say it's the worst kept secret that that's, that's something that's going down a road. We don't want to go to, uh, down with the Indians right now. So let's just say it was pretty obvious that Shane Beaver would be the opening day starter in Detroit. Terry Francona confirming that uh, today during his, his morning zoom conference. Yeah, that was not a, uh, not a surprise, Joe. I, you know, that, so, uh, you know, he was on, you know, he pitched yesterday. So if you, if I think if you count every five days, he takes a turn every five days from here on out, he's going to be on the mound at uh, Comerica, uh, Comerica Park on uh, April 1st. I think at one point he gets one extra day, like maybe Which one extra the, day. Yeah. He gets okay. one, he gets like a fifth day before the season starts. So, yeah. So he'll be, he'll be there on April 1st for the, uh, the season opener. I wonder how many times he, he was, he opened yes last year for sure. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if he was, he, was he the, I wonder how many times he's been the opening day starter. I think that this will just be his second. Yeah. He, he wasn't out cause he wasn't on the roster in 2019. You remember yeah. they, broke, they broke camp in 2019 and he was the fifth starter at the time and they left him off the roster so that he could stay on rotation. So so yeah, that was part of the story in 2020. Was hey, by at, on opening day in 2019, he wasn't on the roster. So yes, yeah, so uh, Kluber uh, was the opening day starter that year. His last of uh, five straight opening day starts for the Indians. Well, we'll see how how many more Shane Bieber gets to make for the Indians. But as long as he stays he- healthy, uh, and, you know, moving forward through spring training, he will be on the mound in Detroit. With Indians baseball right around the corner, there's never been a better time for you to register for Indian subtext. Our subscriber-based service gives you the inside scoop and analysis on the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions. It's a great way to avoid the trolls on social media, and it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why should you sign up? Here's one of our subscribers, Bill from Arizona. I think it's great the way uh, uh, you guys have handled it this year and appreciate the fact that, you know, you usually, uh, when you're able, respond pretty uh, quickly, either just to me or to, you know, to, to everybody. And it's nice to have a little insight on some things and then maybe an hour or two later, the story will break. I kind of feel like I'm sort of, you know, on the QT in the know and it's fun. Bill and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the team and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or text Hoinsey or Joe at 216-208 four three four six again that's join subtext.com 
slash Cleveland Indians, or send a text message to 216-208-4346. We look forward to having you as a member of Indian Subtext. As far as changes go, as far as things looking different uh, between this year and last year, we, we've seen what the Major League Baseball's uh, you know efforts to streamline and uh, sort of reshape the minor leagues have been. Uh, the, the latest of these is uh, the announcement that there's going to be a whole bunch of new rules uh, played with in at the different levels of the minor leagues uh, coming up this season. Uh, everything from uh, increasing base sizes to robot umpires. Uh, let's go through uh, some of those those new rules that have been proposed, and then we can we can talk about them here in a second. Uh, AAA is going to have larger bases. Uh, the bases are going to increase from 15-inch squares to 17-inch squares. Uh, AA level is going to have limits on shifts. I think this is one of the big ones uh, that we can talk about. Uh, all infielders must start each pitch with their feet in the on the infield dirt, or if they're playing up, they play on the infield grass. Uh, and the penalty for that, I, I believe, is a ball. Uh, it's an, uh, it, it, if it's noticed by an umpire, it's, it's a ball assigned to the batter that's in the, in the box. Um, there are going to be limits to the number of pickoff attempts in uh, high A, in class, uh, class A. Um, so you won't be able to, to throw over multiple times. I think it's uh, the way it's set up right now is you get two freebies and then after the third, if the batter isn't, or if the, if the base runner isn't out, then it's a balk. So <laughs> that's a pretty severe penalty, I think. You're not kidding. Yeah. Uh, and just running through the, in the lower, uh, lower minors, uh, one class A league is going to have robot umpires or robot strike zone as, as was an experiment a couple seasons ago in the Atlantic league. And another low A uh, league is going to have a 15 second pitch clock. Uh, all of these are things that have been on Rob Manfred's plate in the past. Uh, looks like they're all going to get uh, at least experimented with over the next season. Yeah, they're they're in the test tube, the minor league <laughs> test tube, and uh, you know, Joe, I think with the pickoff, that's it. Does, do they have to disengage with the pitching rubber? There's <clears throat> there are other subtle nuances with it as well. Uh, not just the number of pickoffs that they can throw over. Uh, I, I, like I said, I believe it's two pickoff attempts. And then on the third, if he's not out, it's a balk. Uh, also, the old uh, Andy Pettit move, where the le- <laughs> it affects it, this. These changes are going to disproportionately affect left-handed uh, pitchers with pickoff moves as well. Uh, the the pitcher does have to disengage with the rubber, so there's no longer the ability to stand there with your foot on the rubber and throw over if you're a lefty. Um, and the I believe the step off. And fake a throw to one base and, and throw over to another base. I, I think yeah, that that's that's been verboten for a couple of years, right? I mean, that, right, right. That's still do, that's yeah. still going to be the the case. So, so yeah, there's uh, di- having to disengage with the rubber is going to be something that's you know different for a lot of left-handed pitchers as well. That's got to be an open open season for base runners, doesn't it? Or base stealers? Right. I mean, Billy Hamilton. Usually, Billy Hamilton would have stolen 200 bases a year. That's right, because pitchers love to throw over there against uh, base stealers and just wear them out, have, make them dive back into the bag five times, and uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, and try to intimidate them that way. But that that obviously that's the re- that's uh, the the reasoning behind that rule to put a little more action in the game, 
open it up a little, uh, let runners run, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Right. And it really, you start with at AAA with the, with the larger bases, that's both a safety concern. You know, it, it, it opens things up for, uh, to promote safety because you're, you're not going to have infielders, first basemen with their feet, you know, getting spiked and, and being that close to runners. Also a base runner diving back to the bag on a pickoff attempt is going to have a bigger target to, yeah. you know, dive back to. So, you know, that's, that's also an advantage for a, a base runner. Uh, it, it sort of seems like to me, like the, uh, the old beer league uh, softball rule where you got those orange bases that are in foul territory <laughs> and the, uh, the base runner has to, to tag that base. Otherwise he's, he's out if he touches the white base. Uh, it, it, it's not exactly like the, uh, you know, big fat guys playing softball running around trying to, uh, you know, run into each other. I think uh, the athletes are a little more skilled than that, but uh, at the same time, we're probably going to avoid more of the collisions and the safety issues that we've seen in the past. Does this does this go for the plate too, or just the bases? No, I don't think you can touch the plate. Yeah, you're not going to go. They're not going to go to 19 inches, are they? <laughs> no, man. I, I mean, who was 17, the, still 17 inches, right? As the the famous uh, coach who, who would give a speech with the uh, with the plate hanging around his neck on a chain, he yeah. said it's 17 inches for everybody, and, and, and you know, you don't <laughs> yeah. you don't move the 17 inch. Well, you don't move 17 inches. 17 inches across. Uh, okay. But really, what do you think about the, they're taking direct aim at the, the infield shift here yeah. with, with requiring guys to, to be on the infield grass. I mean, the, the common practice nowadays is to put your second baseman in short right field to, to try and eliminate a left-handed batter uh, hitting line drives into right. And, you know, this brings that guy at least 30 feet closer to, to one of those line drives and takes away uh, a defense's uh, attempt to neutralize him. Yeah, Travis Hafner is going to make a comeback, I think. <laughs> How many hits do you think Travis Hafner lost to the shift during his career with the Indians? My goodness. You know, and I thought I read somewhere, Joe, where in the second half of the double-A season, based on based on uh, how how this is received, you know, all infielders being on the dirt, they could make, you got to have two on the right side two and two on the, right, on the left on the side, left. the second base. And that is a major, major uh, uh, change if that would, you know, uh, get to the big leagues. Right. And so you're going to see batting averages ostensibly, you know, jump in at least double A, I, I would think, for the first half of the season with defenses having to be positioned that way. Uh, they're going to find a way to have their toes on the, on the, <laughs> on the dirt and their heels over as much grass as possible. It, it they'll fight, they'll figure out a way to, to game the system eventually, but <laughs> wow. I, I can't imagine that you're going to be shifting as drastically now, if you can't drop that second baseman all the way into short right field. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I know uh, Terry Francona, when we had talked about the shift and, taking away the shift in, in the pre in previous years, he was dead set against it. Uh, he said, you, you don't mess. Uh, this is your way of competing. This is, uh, you know, this gives you, you know, uh, your, your front office, the, the way they dive into the analytics gives you an advantage. Uh, but it does, uh, you know, it does slow down, you know, it does ruin the pace of the game, not ruin the pace of the game, but it does cut down action in the game. Right. Yeah. You're, you're going to see more runners on base. The, the offensive numbers in, in class AA this year are going to shoot up and, and that's going to be, you know, 
you can't argue that. Uh, robot umpires, we've seen this before. We've, we've talked, we've done podcasts on, you know, yeah. what the, what the automated strike zone looks like and how it could affect, uh, you know, baseball and, and whether there's and a need st- for it. And they still have a, a regular umpire behind the plate, right, but right. He's, but he's I calling believe- balls and strikes with a with a with a mobile phone, right? Isn't he getting well? The in the the way that the way that it first came about in the Atlantic League, and then in the Arizona Fall League that same season, I believe in 2018, uh, it was the umpire behind the plate had he actually had AirPod uh, headphones in his ears, and when he would hear a beep, he would call a strike. And I, I, I got to imagine that they've refined the system a little bit more and, and made it a little, you know, more secure and more, more technologically sound than, you know, giving a guy a set of AirPods. But, you know, who knows? We'll see. The, the 15 second pitch clock and they've messed in the other league. They're messing with the timing uh, between innings and all that as well. So we'll see how that shakes out. All of these things could eventually make their way to the major leagues. And I yeah. think by having them in, uh, the minors this year uh, that that sets you on the clock for at least at least getting them there in the next four to five years. Yeah, I saw the uh, the twenty second pitch clock in effect uh, in the Arizona Fall League a couple years ago, and I think you know the pitchers that were you know pitching under the under it with they they didn't mind it. They they got used to it, and and it just you know you get into the flow of the game, and that that's the way uh, you know you work. And I think. You know, as you do, if you do that all the way up through the minors, when you get to the big leagues, it's no big thing. Right. The the guys who have been under that since they've been young pitchers in professional baseball are used to it. And by the time they reach the majors, you can you can make that rule change. And, and these guys don't really feel the effect of it uh, as much. A guy like a, an Oliver Perez might might uh, you, you might have to teach an old dog new tricks, but. Uh, Ali, Ali's proven that he's able to adapt uh, at least a little bit. All right. Uh, the Indians at home today against the Dodgers. Uh, Sam Hentges on the mound for, uh, for the Tribe. Uh, lefty that's been impressive. This might be, although, you know, this, this might be Sam Hentges' last appearance in spring training uh, for the Indians or, or close to it uh, with, with the moves that they've been making. Uh, you know, they, they've got to start making some decisions on guys to, to get other guys innings. But, uh, you know, the opportunity to see Sam Hanches at least start a game be interesting for the Indians today. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's 6'6", 245-pound lefty. Uh, we've seen him a couple of times, I think, out of the bullpen. You know, he's, he's uh, kind of he – obviously he throws hard, a little erratic, as you might expect, and he's going against the uh, World Series champions. So that, that, should be an, that should be an interesting test. And Joe, this lineup that the Indians are throwing out there today—that's the same—that's the same lineup uh, that Francona has used, like this, for the second time in the last three games. So that might be a lineup to uh, keep an eye on as we get closer to opening day. Right, and you know it features like Cesar Hernandez at the top of the order, and right. uh, Eddie Rosario, um, Fermin Reyes in there as well. But and Jimenez, Jimenez is hitting second again. Is, is hitting second again? Yeah. Uh, also, those are, are guys who need to play on, on back-to-back days as well as, you know, so that we're, we're going to start seeing guys play back-to-back and then take a day off and then play back-to-back as well. All right, Hoinsey, uh, that'll wrap it up for this week here from, uh, from Cleveland covering Goodyear, and we will talk to you again next week on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. <laughs>